Gentlemen, we are dealing with the undead. Mas, Feralto. Yes, Nosferatu. The undead. The vampire. According to the legends of my people, the last Khan Dracula became one of the undead. A vampire. I am Dracula. I bid you welcome. Welcome to the now-playing Universal Films Dracula Movie Retrospective Series. I have crossed oceans of time to find you. Hosted by Jacob. Oh, and I have waited an eternity for a man of your strength, your gifts, your will. Arnie. I am considered somewhat of an authority on the subject. And Stuart. We've all become God's madmen. All of us. This episode will contain detailed plot spoilers and strong language. Run to your mother. We hope you enjoy the show. Now, let's eat. Today we're discussing Son of Dracula. Starring Louise Albritton, Robert Page, Evelyn Ankers, Frank Craven, and Lon Chaney Jr. as Dracula. Or is he Algacard? Stupid. Directed by Robert Sudmack. This is Arnie, co-host of Now Playing and Child of the Night. I hate to inform you guys, Stuart could not be on the podcast today. It is Trotz here with you today. And this is Jacob, your old swamp cat with a cabin full of dried lizards and stuffed toads. Is this a southern Dracula film? Does this take place in the south? It's a Cajun one, right? I mean, is this where Anne Rice got her idea? I like Louisiana. Again, it's got all the voodoo and mysticism and occult there. It's a fun place to set. Yeah, any movie, but a horror movie in particular, I'm down with it. I want to point out, this is Universal Monster Movie number 17. 12 years beyond Dracula, six years after the daughter, Universal has fired up the factory, and it really has just been cranking them out. This is product at this point. I don't think that anyone considers Son of Dracula to really be very connected to Bram Stoker. I don't think that there's any intention. The only person still here from the original is George Robinson, the DP that shot Spanish Dracula and shot Dracula's daughter, is cinematographer on Son of Dracula. But everyone else is long gone. And you can feel it. Again, like Dracula's daughter, this is not a biological relationship that Dracula had. No son. It's just the fact that Son of Frankenstein had been the thing to revive monsters in the late 30s for Universal. And so they figured... Why not Dracula? Well, they still drop a line that says Dracula died in the 19th century, and this is a descendant of the Dracula who died in the 19th century, also named Dracula, though. And also not Bela Lugosi. Again, you would think he would be desperate, right? Like, he had tried to be a legitimate actor in the late 30s. Yeah, he was only doing monster flicks at this point. 
Yes, and not as many as you think. I guess what's weird is that, like, I always confuse him with Boris Karloff, who worked a whole lot more, and Lon Chaney Jr. We do have a son here. The son of the man that should have been Dracula in that first movie. The one that Todd Browning wanted to be his Dracula and got pissed when Lon Chaney Sr. died. The man of a thousand faces. The movie makeup guy. He now has a son who is willing to put on movie makeup, and he has become the house monster for Universal. When they're making this movie, he's already been Wolfman, Mummy, Frankenstein's monster, and something called Man-Made Monster. Man-Made Monster is just Frankenstein. How would they do that crossover film if they're all him? Yeah, well, he remains Wolfman. It's in makeup. (laughs) It is the Wolfman. He will mostly be known as the Wolfman when we have the Abbott and Costello and all the Monster Mash movies. He comes back only as Wolfman. He kind of resented it. I mean, again, a son that doesn't want to do what his father did. Worth pointing out, he's not even named Lon Channing. He decided Lon (laughs) Channing Jr. was a better stage name. Nepo baby. Yeah, his actual name is Crichton. So, uh, yeah, it feels like, yes, he's trying to just do what... He's the opposite of Nick Cage. Yeah, but not loving it. He insisted one of the parameters for this one was, I'm not putting on no makeup. So we get no fangs, we get no Nosferatu. Which we haven't had at all, like with these Universal films. No. You could have done it, though. I mean, if you're saying that this is Alucard and we're going a different way and not in continuity with that first Dracula movie from 12 years ago, then... I don't know. It was an opportunity to be more horrific. The word is, and there may be truth to this, we were in World War II at this point. Soldiers were coming back deformed, and they just didn't think that disfiguring his face would have played right with the audience. But we don't even have Fangs as part of vampire lore yet, right? I don't know when Fangs would come in. I mean, Nosferatu had it, but no, not these universal vampires. Universal doesn't play that. With their vampires, they essentially look like people with eye stigmatism. Like, they just stare at you real funny. (laughs) (laughs) And, yeah, Todd Browning didn't come back for this. He might have been dead by this point, I'll be honest. But we have uh, a notable director. Notable? Yeah. Who is this guy? Yeah, Robert Sedomack was nominated for an Oscar. He made a German film, Devil Strikes at Night, up for foreign film in the 50s. He's an American-born Jew with Germanic descent, and so he was very big in German culture and went back there and made some films. At this time, he had a run of thrillers, his most famous being The Spiral Staircase. I don't know if you know that one. Nope. I know nothing about this guy. Okay, well, again... This is the unfortunate thing about time. You can be a hero in your day, Michael Jordan, feel like you own the world, and a decade later, people are like, who? I I feel like, uh, yes. I mean, 80 years later. Yes. Cedomac doesn't stand out as much as Capra, right? We can all agree he, he hasn't survived the canon of early directors we know the name of. But I do think it's funny. This project started with his brother writing it. And when he was hired on, the first thing he did was fire him. I guess they didn't get along. And he claims the script was crap. He didn't like the direction they were taking. And they, quote, fixed it as they put this movie together very quickly, shot it in a month, spat it out. Like I said, factory kind of mentality. Modest hit. This thing did okay. Had a decent box office, as many Universal movies are. Kind of like the Marvel Universe. Rest assured, if you're putting out a Universal monster movie, you're going to make a tidy sum, unless you really screw the pooch. 
Which is why we're building up to the fully fleshed out dark universe later. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about it. We do get a dark universe entry in Dracula. We get the first attempt, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, this one, I think, at the time was considered a hit, and yet, who the hell is Alucard? I feel like in the end, I never knew about this movie. Not only had I never seen it, I just didn't even know that they were making a third one in the 1940s. I'm not familiar with most of these Dracula movies we're reviewing. I'm more of a Nosferatu guy, but I knew about Alucard slash Dracula. Like there's some piece of pop culture that like just lost their minds when they saw this film and talked about it and like how stupid it is. Like I've heard jokes about a Dr. Acula as well, which I think is derived from this, like where it's just the, the most thinly veiled disguise for the vampire. I've heard of Alucard too, and I don't know where. There's some piece of pop culture that it's it's been talked about, and I know it. I think it's been reused. Maybe some listener can tell me where Alucard came back into play. I don't know if it was Saturday the 14th or something like that where they did this. But yeah, I can't keep track of all the Monster Mash movies they've done. I'm a complete newbie to most of these older films, except for the first Dracula as we go through them. Yeah, I know the big ones, Bride of Frankenstein and things. I'd never heard of Son of Frankenstein, let alone Son of Dracula. I mean, to even be the son of, like, that just feels, like, silly, right? We, we, we can all agree that, like, the, the son of the blob. We did Son of the Fly. Exactly. Yeah, not good. A bad film, <laughs> yes. Once you're doing that, that's the kind of sequel that telegraphs, cash grab, not good, footnote, don't need to pay attention to this one. I came into this very cynical. I really didn't think I was going to see a good movie. This is called Dracula, but it's the son. Of, I guess you have the same last name as your father. But here's the thing. We're not doing hammer horror yet. But if slash when we ever get there, like I know like Christopher Lee's going to die as Dracula. And guess what? A cult like just brings him back to life. Like that's all you need to bring Dracula back. <laughs> like you don't need sons or daughters or nephews. Just do have a cult, do a ceremony and bring him back. So is the thought that they didn't do that because Bela said no or Bela wasn't in good shape? By this point, Bela probably had a heroin habit. Like, they just, they couldn't use the icon, so they just said it has to be a relative. It feels like that. Someone that's just as old as he was, it feels like. It's not like this is a young, suave, good-looking son. Like, it's someone just old like Bela. Mm, I do feel like Lon Chaney Jr. is taller, better-looking. Yeah, taller. <laughs> More gentlemanly, more like yeah. a Vincent Price. Yes, the, yes. The whole time I was thinking Vincent Price with that mustache. It's the mustache, yeah. In his accent, it feels like maybe that's what Vincent Price sounded like when he wasn't in front of the screen and playing up whatever <laughs> he was doing. But yes, I got, did Vincent Price ever play a vampire? It feels like he should have. He fought them in uh, that 60s I Am Legend movie. Yeah, he fought him, but... You see, what I take from this is they call it Son of Dracula just to build on the success of Son of Frankenstein. And, yeah, they say Dracula died in the 19th century. Well, we discussed last podcast, Dracula died in the 1930s, so they're not even really concerned about continuity. Right. This could be the only Dracula... No home video to review it on, yeah. <laughs> he never talks about his dad or anything like that. As far as this movie is concerned, it could just be called Dracula Goes to New Orleans. Dracula Returns, yeah. <laughs> At this point, they're hanging with Abbott and Costello. You'd have to realize that what they were doing in the early part, those first seven 
Universal movies are very different in spirit than the kinds of films they're cranking out in the 40s. And a different audience. Again, a whole generation, it would be for kids now. People that weren't even born when the first Dracula came out are going to see Son of Dracula. But let's find out what they got. Arnie, give them the plot. Count Dracula has come to the Big Easy. Using the alias Count Alucard, which is Dracula spelled backwards, the Count, played by Lon Chaney Jr., has come at the invitation of Catherine Caldwell. Caldwell, the daughter of plantation owner Colonel Caldwell, is fascinated by occult and supernatural matters. This obsession is frowned upon by Catherine's sister Claire and Catherine's longtime boyfriend, Frank Stanley. Dracula kills Catherine's father, leaving the plantation to Catherine, and the rest of his fortune to his other daughter, Claire. Soon, Catherine marries Dracula, much to Frank's surprise. In anger, Frank tries to shoot Dracula, but the bullets pass through the vampire and hit Catherine. Thinking he killed Catherine, Frank goes to the local physician, Dr. Harry Brewster. Brewster rushes to the plantation, only to find Catherine very much alive and unhurt. Still, racked with guilt, Frank turns himself into the police. When the police investigate the plantation, they find Catherine's body in a coffin. They arrest Frank for her murder, to which he confessed. Having seen Catherine alive, Dr. Brewster believes Frank is innocent. He calls for aid, Professor Laszlo, who believes vampires must be involved in the mystery. Meanwhile, Catherine visits Frank in prison. She admits she was only using Dracula to obtain immortality. She wants Frank to help her kill Dracula, then she'll turn Frank into an immortal as well, and they can spend eternity together. That bitch. (laughs) She tells Frank the two ways to kill Dracula. Of course, you can stake him through the heart, which we knew, or you can burn his coffin. As a vampire must return to his coffin each morning, if the coffin is destroyed, the vampire will die. Frank breaks out of prison and goes and confronts Dracula, burning the vampire's coffin, and Dracula dies when he's hit by rays of sunlight. Frank then goes to Catherine, asleep in her coffin. Instead of succumbing to her offer of immortality, Frank sets Catherine's coffin ablaze, with Catherine asleep inside, as credits roll. Mmm, yes. The moves here, right? Like, we don't have to retell the Dracula story. I wonder if it wasn't just going to be a remake with a younger dude. But uh, by this point, we've had a lot of vampire movies, not just made at Universal, but by other studios. They have to have other influences. And I do feel like by setting it in Louisiana and having this femme fatale, feels much more like a noir movie than it does a horror movie. Yeah, I think this movie, I was thinking noir with it because of its heavy use of shadow. You know, they're going to be playing a lot with shadow and light, and I was thinking about noir films of the period. Yeah, and we're, you know, two years past Maltese Falcon, and Humphrey Bogart is a big star. Like, you're jumping on a trend. We're going with what's popular. We're not trying to do that old style of movie. I agree, like, there may be a mystery here, but here's the thing. Like, in the opening credits, it says Lon Chaney Jr. is playing Count Dracula, and we're going to get this whole opening scene at a train station picking up his luggage for Alucard. Like, I get that the people in the movie, like, this is a mystery, but... <laughs> you get that? It Was it a mystery for anyone watching this? Yeah, Alucard, they make it pretty damn obvious that it is Dracula. And I am shocked how long it takes these professors and doctors to figure out his name is just written backwards. 
like Brewster is like writing the name down, like trying to like really figure out what's on that luggage tag. But again, you can have fun when the audience knows something that the characters don't, that you could have a lot of irony. Hitchcock talked about how you could build suspense with that. But here it's just annoying how dumb these characters are right from the <laughs> beginning, not getting this. Annoying or hilarious? I gotta say, I'm smiling. It's both. Yeah, I'm laughing out of my frustration for how stupid they are. It gets even better. Like, some poor sap has to bring all this luggage back. Even though the train shows up, I'm like, of course he's going to be in the coffin inside. But, like, nobody knows this heavy luggage. They got to drag back to Dark Oaks Plantation. Dark Oaks. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, my God. The racial politics of this movie make me so uncomfortable. The guy who brings them back is this African-American speaking with that Southern accent. They're on a plantation. Yeah, I didn't know I was going to get gone with the vampire. I was very (laughs) surprised by this. Yeah, and she says, get some of the other boys to help you. Oh, my God. The racial politics of the period hurt. I'm really relieved later when they go through the will and she finds out that she inherits the house and that she won't have money to pay for the servants. I'm like, woo, thank God, because I thought they were chained here. I didn't know that they were even getting a salary. I agree. It's the South, yes, slightly past the Civil War, it feels like, barely, like the day after. Well, they're working for a colonel. I don't think that colonel was in World War One. I. I think that colonel was in the Civil War. I mean, but this K cracks me up. Like her sister, again, they do the whole noir thing of she's got a blonde sister who doesn't live at this plantation anymore. She's married this super old doctor and is just popping in every now and then. But K is like, oh, I don't need a telephone. I have telepathy. I'm an occultist. I mean, we are going to meet Queen Zimba later on. <laughs> No, this is what I love. Like, she went on Hungarian tour, and not only did she meet Count Alucard back then, but she apparently liked this spiritualist Queen Zimba so much, she brought her home. <laughs> did she bring her over? Is that yes. where she came from? I missed that. And maybe in chains. I don't know. But, like, she's got in the back cabin, the guest house, like this Hungarian spiritualist who's just, like, doing mumbo jumbo and, and gets a couple words out about saying death's going to be over your marriage before a bat flies in and (laughs) kills her or something and look we're laughing and this is dumb but i'm loving it like this weird voodoo insertion into the vampire lore with queen zimba this is bizarre but it's bizarre in a way that's entertaining to me oh that bat though i mean (laughs) we're just right now in the how did the bat effects get worse than the 1931 (laughs) yes they did this is every trope of old horror movies you've ever seen the bat just kind of sitting there as they jerk on some rubber wings and things i mean it's so slow like you're not keeping yourself (laughs) in the air moving at that pace i love it i'm gonna just say i agree i love it it is bad this is playing as comedy But yes, they want to give us a more visual experience. What I can appreciate is last time, Bela and the stare, you know, that was all that they had, all that they needed, really. No fangs, no special effects. You got more in the stage play than you did in the movie in terms of optical illusion. But here they know they got to do stuff. And so this Alucard, son does not have the confidence of Bela. So he is going to turn into smoke. They have this like animated smoke effect where he 
great. can sometimes appear out of the steam. And yes, this bat that is, they never try the wolf. Probably wisely, that wouldn't have looked very good. I mean, they did make a Wolfman movie. Like they could have tried something. Yeah, you're right. They could have had Lon Chaney is the wolf man. So maybe that was part of the decision. But yes, what I find is that they are trying to give this vampire more tricks. And so he's going to crash this party and kill this colonel. I got to give it to them for cheap effects. When they have Chaney raise the cape and step backwards towards the camera and then you smash cut and it's a bat like the transformation occurred Great. i'll give them credit for being able to create something with nothing yeah we're finally getting some spooky stuff like i liked in that 1922 silent film and i love how blasé people are about death in this movie like okay maybe queen zimba wasn't like your grandma but like <laughs> when Kay comes back to the party like the party keeps going even though the bat just took her you know spiritualist out like her fiance is like poo-pooing on the the patio he's just like oh good riddance this party keeps going when the house is on fire and they're like ah, don't tell the guest it's not a big deal i'm like the house is on fire you gotta get people out of there they're like no that's how you know it's a good party <laughs> yeah someone didn't put out the cigar and then they have the black people tap dance on it to put it out i'm not kidding God, that was so bad, too. I mean, anytime there's an African-American on screen, they're being portrayed so stereotypically. Oof. Well, this is the thing. This is the thing. We all know that this was a characterization, but we don't really go back and revisit that a lot. And in the good movies, that isn't emphasized. It's part of why they're good. But when you're watching a B movie like this, you realize just how blatant the racism really was. And it's here. If you wanted to be a black actor, this is what you get to do. You get to be the help and tap dance. A servant or a mammy. Yes. Yes, sir. No, sir. And maybe do some comedy. I think the one surprise here is that even though there are three servants, none of them have like a funny moment. I would have figured one of them later will open the door and get hypnotized. Count Alucard will have the servant announce him, but uh, they could have played that for more step and fetch it kind of laughs. They don't. In the end, uh, the filmmakers decide they don't even care about the people of color in this movie. They are marginalized so much. Vampires are super racist. Yeah, they yeah. only want to feed on white people. <laughs> they don't even give the comedy. I mean, think about the last time we had all of that stuff with the cops God. and they could have given that to the servants. Now you've got me thinking about Love at First Bite again when Dracula goes into the African-American apartment and they call it a black chicken and try to grab him. Again, we, we will probably end up covering this, Arnie. Just settle down. But it's not a universal Dracula, so it's not in this retrospect. But I think we are missing a lot of good Draculas, maybe not good Draculas, by excluding certain movies. Again, the focus is going to be what Universal Studios makes. And yes, they've signed off on Alucard, even though he's just Dracula, right? And we all like should know that. Like Spelling your name backwards doesn't make you a new person. This is the same vampire for the last 500 years, we're expected to believe. Well, they do say descendant, so I'm taking them at their word. This isn't the Dracula. At one point, we're going to see the doctor reading Dracula the novel. Is he reading the novel? I thought it was mm -hmm. some like fictional book, like no, no. textbook about vampires. No, no, it's Bram Stoker. Yeah, there's a <laughs> quote. Yeah. 
Yeah, they show the text, and I remembered the text. That was Jonathan Harker's writings. Yeah. That just makes no sense, so I, I assumed it was a fictional textbook they had in their universe. See, I think in this universe, that's a historical document. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. You're right. It's a little meta in that way, and so... Yeah. Does it make it funnier? I suppose so. I mean, I'm definitely laughing at the idea that, yes, Dr. Brewster and Claire are worried that Kay, now that she has lost her father and doesn't seem to care about that at all, so happy to inherit this plantation and uh, they're wanting to have her committed. And they think that in order to protect her, they need to get her away from the dark spirits that are there. I feel like we needed more backstory, right? Like, I know they drop a line early about her being an occultist, about having telepathy, about being into these dark practices, but how she met Alucard, what they actually are trying to save her from. Yes, they just met in Budapest and we never get more. Like, was she hypnotized by Alucard? Was she mm. in love with them? Mm. How did she develop this idea for eternal life with Frank? Like all of that. Yeah, they try to make it a mystery. But if you'd added 10 minutes to this 80 minute movie and started with that, taken away the mystery, it would have actually helped the characterization so much. Well, yes, here's the thing. She's a femme fatale. In the end, we will realize she's the real villain. She's the one scheming. She knows this is Dracula. She's not stupid. She can read backwards. <laughs> she knows exactly what's living in the guest house. And we think, because of the cliches of the genre, when she goes out to the swamp and the coffin rises and he comes and wants to get married to her, that she's a victim. I kind of like the twist that she is using Dracula, that she actually has one up on him. Yeah, no, I got caught up in that whole thing. Like, is she sincere? Like, who is she playing? Is she playing Alucard or is she playing Frank? That's some fun of this film. I never questioned that she knew she was with a vampire. I mean, the way that she holds on Frank's arm, but then rushes with Dracula to go get married at the judge's house late at night. You didn't think she was under a spell? No, I didn't. I thought... Yeah, I thought she was under a spell this whole time. I assumed, yeah, by dabbling in those occult arts that she had allowed herself to be fooled. And that, again, that she needed to be rescued by Frank. I had no idea that Frank needed to be rescued from her. I thought they were both kind of evil vampires, in which case Bride of Dracula would have been a better title than Son of Dracula. Right. I think I could be wrong, but I think we are not to guess that ruse. I think it is a twist that we are not to see coming that this woman looks like a victim and is being coerced by a vampire to go get a quickie marriage in the middle of the night, knock on the justice of the peace, and suddenly he's carrying you over the threshold of Dark Oaks. What I didn't get was that she's going to turn on Dracula. I thought she was in league with Dracula the whole time. Yeah, and the suspense for me was how sincere was she in that marriage once it gets revealed that she's trying to help Frank. Like, is she saying that to get a one-up on Frank, or is she really going to defeat Dracula? Because I don't like Frank. I mean, keep in mind, he, again, good riddance to the woman that just got attacked by a bat. Poor woman. The, he seems <laughs> callous, too. The only pure characters seem to be Sister Claire. And again, did you get this? At first, I was like, well, maybe he's an uncle or something. But no, that's her husband, Harry Brewster. Brewster's her is Claire's husband? Yeah. I did not get that. Yeah, they're together. Yeah. I didn't get that. I thought he was just a doctor that hung out with them for some reason. F friend of the family. 
he's expecting her to come home. So, like, they live in the same house. That's all I can tell you. I don't know. They oh. never show a ring on it. But, I, yes, incredulous as it is to ask, I do believe that, yes, this man is a... Uh, Real problematic age gap there. Yes. Predatory. <laughs> this entire movie is problematic. <laughs> <laughs> but funny i'm curious yes. to read the room i hear jacob you're saying i'm having a better time arnie are you having a better time i probably would have had a better time if i was with you guys and we were saying these things while watching it sitting alone taking notes while watching this movie i'm not laughing and i'm checking how much time is left in this short 80 minute movie mm. Okay, so when, like, Brewster's going downstairs and finds feathers and chickens next to the coffin and all of that. I was wondering what that was. I saw the chicken foot. I'm like, does the code not let them show the chicken? And why is there a chicken there? I wanted more. He's eating them, right? Yeah, I thought he was sucking their blood. Eating animals. Like, again, I to me, this is the kind of campy fun that... Again, announces this is a B picture. This is not a class act. No one will ever call this a classic. Uh, some people do call Dracula's daughter a classic, but his son, no, he's a pariah. But you might have a good time with him, <laughs> is I guess the way I'm feeling. This is the sibling I want to hang out with. Yeah, he is a lot of fun here. And sad to hear you're not feeling that vibe, that you're bored. What's the word? Yeah, I'm pretty bored. I'm trying to get a focus on this. I'm having a similar problem that I had with Dracula's daughter in that the actress playing Kay is playing it so dead, you know, and no pun intended with that. She's just not giving me a lot of emotion, a lot to cling to. I am liking what Lon Chaney Jr. is doing, but it's not as big as Lugosi and so it's not as fun as Lugosi, and he's minimized here. So yeah. much time is going to be spent with Frank and this doctor. 13 minutes till he even shows up in the film. It feels like a very long time till he comes. But Kay, I feel like she's a vamp cosplayer, and so I'm yes. kind of going with her, her bad performance here. Like, she's trying to be a goth, and I don't know, there's enough twist in this film. Like, when they go to read the will, and Kay's like, oh, I've got a newer will, and I'm like, oh, okay, so, like, this is obviously going to be her taking everything. She faked a will somehow. No, she just wants the house. All the money could go to... Claire, the sister, and okay, why is that? Like, there's always things like that popping up in this film, and I'm like, oh, where is this going? Even though Alucard is the most obvious thing, I guess if you're a vampire and you don't look at mirrors, like, Alucard is a very good disguise for your name, because you can't hold a mirror up to it and, and see the reflection <laughs> that it's Dracula backwards. But besides that mystery, which is stupid, like, I don't know, I get into all the little twists and turns of this film. It's vamp versus vampire. She is a classic vamp. She is a man-eater. She's a femme fatale. If there were no vampires in this, she would be the one in The Postman Always Rings Twice or The Big Sleep, the one luring our hero into trouble, double indemnity. There was just so many of this type. And she has that look. She has that statuesque, cold, callous. I mean, she can't be a warm character because she's a killer at heart. She's scarier than the vampire. I think she wins. In the end, I forget about Alucard, but she's the one that is frightening. She dies. They do another nice trick here where Frank, in a jealous rage, pursues them into the bedroom. They just got married and he shoots. She knows that he's going to do this. This is not a prearranged, like, she just goaded. She knows Frank enough to play him to pull out his pistol and she intentionally steps 
behind the vampire and takes those bullets so she can be one step closer to being immortal. I thought she stood behind Dracula because she didn't want to be shot. I mean, that's what I thought. Yeah. Why would you stand behind somebody to be shot? Right. No, because she's got a plan. Again, this is the head games. This is why she's 10 steps ahead of us is that she has figured this all out. I now have been turned by a vampire. I can kill my mortal body and then I just have to get rid of the vampire. And at this point, like, Frank goes crazy because he just killed the woman he loved, the woman he was engaged to. And again, there's another, like, twist, another development that I really get into is, like, yeah, Frank's kind of been boring. But once he goes crazy, it becomes a psychological horror film at this point. Yeah, Frank is, hmm, he's not exactly a hero. Again, I started not liking him. And he is... Yeah, someone that killed out of passion. I mean, thank God Alucard is a vampire because otherwise you'd just be a murderer. But, uh, <laughs> you know, the guy has a right to marry a chick. You can't just mow him down in his own house, his own bedroom. But yes. Well, jealous rage. I mean, I understand it. It's illegal, but I understand it. But again, in these kinds of noir, you don't, in fact, oftentimes like the detective or the insurance agent or whoever, that man. Again, he's a victim of his own greed. And so what I expect at this point is to realize that once the secret is out, she comes in the jail cell and says, look, I'm going to be with you. This Alucard is just a ruse to become immortal. I'm going to fly in. There's a funny moment in Silhouette where the bat starts drinking from his neck. That bat sucks blood out of his neck. Yeah. Oh, that was hysterical. Yeah. Where the bat is crawling on his back in the graveyard when he's running after the shooting and it's just barely moving. It's nowhere near his neck. I'm like, but then it sees the cross gravestone and has to flee. It is bad rubber bat acting. (laughs) I was confused because I thought the bat was... Alucard. I did not realize that. That's another twist here, that now mm-hmm. it is her. Now it is Kay. Yeah, I think that there's a lot of surprise to this story. This script works as noir, believe it or not. As silly as that sounds, it's not a good horror movie, but it's pretty good if you like to see vamps con men. Again, the mystery that's keeping me going is Frank just crazy. We hear this guard of the cell going, oh, I hear him doing male and female voices. So we're seeing one thing like this is almost a shining moment, right? We talked about that. Could everything be going on in Jack Torrance's head in that Kubrick film? And here I'm like, oh, maybe there is like no vampire. Maybe this is going to be about Frank's psychosis and what's going on in his head. But we'll see that that cell does unlock just like that food storage door unlocks in The Shining where it's got to be someone else doing it and he's got a gun. But for a little moment, I'm like, oh, this is really interesting that like maybe this is all about just grief over killing his fiance. Oh, I wish I'd thought that. I never thought that. I just took everything as what I was seeing as factual. Yeah, I love the fact that she corrects him and won't let him use the V word. Like, we're not vampires, (laughs) we're undead. Think of me as immortal. Like, that's what she's selling here. We can be immortal together. And again, I don't trust her at this point. I'm thinking, what's your angle with Frank before you get bored with him and throw him in the swamp? Yeah, do they need his blood to make themselves stronger or something? Again, there's a lot of mystery here. There's a lot of misogyny in noir, and the belief is that in the end, that women only care about themselves and are out to destroy men. So again, I think that that's what I'm picking up here. But this is not her story. It's not Frank's story. I mentioned it last time, and I think it remains a challenge 
for these pictures is they always feel like they have to center it around old stodgy white guys that have knowledge. Holy crap. Yeah. Laszlo and Brewster getting together and just again, ready for some data dumps about vampire lore. Here we go. Yeah, Brewster is really the star of this movie, is what I would argue, because he is rational, and we are to like him, and somehow he's landed a hot young wife, and yes, he has this friend that just happens to be dropping by. Welcome, Professor Laszlo. From Hungary? Like, he knows all about Hungary. Did he come from Hungary? Like, that's a long trip. Yes, he's Hungarian. Yeah, he's from the Carpathian Mountains, and so he knows all the vampire lore, and he can just very calmly, like, first they just call him, and then they just go into the study smoking pipes and talk about, like, how you deal with vampires and... Is Alucard really Dracula? In a scene that is brought to you by Big Tobacco, and it's finally <laughs> revealed why, but like there are so many close-ups of them like lighting their pipes and just puffing. And then they're like, yes, vampires could turn into bats or wolves or even mist. And of course, a mist shows up there. So Acular could walk in. Well, I don't think pipe smoking is as popular now as it was back then. And I think it's associations with professorial types, you know, Freud and what have you. Thinking people smoke pipes, that helps them think. It also helps them get mouth cancer, but, yes. you know. <laughs> but, but anyway, it signals the idea that these are our heroes. And that is too bad, right? Like, it would be more fun to watch just a true noir movie and we watch a sucker like Frank get sucker punched by a vampire and then by his woman. Like, I think that would have been a better focus. Get rid of Laszlo, get rid of Brewster. We don't need them. They're holdouts from the Stoker world that just don't carry over into this new genre. Yeah, they're not going to call them Van Helsing, but they're Van Helsings. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I couldn't figure out which one was. I thought at first it was the doctor and then the professor shows up and I'm like, oh, he's really anxious to jump on. Oh, it's vampirism. Yeah. But they are good for some comedy. I mean, I will say when like all of a sudden a concerned woman brings her almost dead child in there and he's like, oh, I got better things to do. It's just a vampire. Yeah, it's going to be fine. He'll wake up. And paints crucifixes on the like fang marks. Is that what he was doing? I was yes. trying to, I'm yeah. like, is that some medicine that's supposed to draw out like <laughs> vampire venom? What is going on? Nope. Little crosses. Okay, that's it. Yeah, you just paint crosses on your wounds, which, you know, no one has ever tried that since. I'm wondering if that could work for anybody. I'm just like, if I get bit by a vampire, can I just go and grab some finger paint? Just have a Sharpie on you at all mm -hmm. times and yeah. draw that cross on your wound. That's right there with crossing your fingers is to make a crucifix if a vampire comes. I don't think so. That's the thing. Like any cross works. You just need two straight lines crossing each other and it will drive off Dracula. Which is almost the joke in of itself. Again, it almost signals the idea of this puritanical belief that if I just grab God and say, God, 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 that that will save me from evil. I mean, it makes these people look kind of ridiculous, quite frankly. I mean, it adds to the comedy that you can now paint on crucifixes on fang marks and be fine. That's just a satire of the genre, I feel like. I don't think that was the intention, but this movie is working pretty much as a parody of Dracula. And we're at the climax where not only has poor Dracula been tricked by the femme fatale, he turned the wrong woman, but her lover is going to be the one to burn his casket. And I got to say, if you're trying to put out a fire, maybe don't grab the big stick. I love that he <laughs> tries to use wood to put out the flames. It's just brilliant. I'm like, oh, 
why doesn't he use his cape? Earlier, we got to see a fire put out with a curtain. I'm like, that cape will smother it. He is standing right next to a puddle. He will die in a puddle. Yes. Try the water. <laughs> I don't know. Well, here's the thing. Like, you just got to destroy the grid. Like, just wall it up behind some bricks. Like, you don't even have to burn it. You just got to stop him from getting there to his home soil that's in there. Get rid of the soil. You don't even have to burn the thing. Now, burning it seems easiest. Is it the sunlight that melts him? I know that it was a concept introduced by Nosferatu. Yes. But I couldn't tell whether it was that he needed to be in that soil. The lighting wasn't such that I could actually tell it was the sunlight that made him a skeleton. You need the soil to live in. I guess if you don't have that soil, you'll eventually lose your life, your powers, whatever. But they do enough shots of like cutting to a sun rising that it tells me it's the sun that kills Dracula. See, I'm not sure because they say he needs to be back in the coffin by sunrise. What I can't tell is, are they saying the sun kills him or are they saying, hey, it's sunrise, thus he's not in his coffin, thus he's dead. That's what I'm saying. Like, if you could just stop him from getting to that coffin, he's going to die in the sunlight. Right. But if you opened his coffin midday in the sunlight, would he die? No. No, no vampire has, up to this point, they don't recoil from the sun. So again, I think we're underselling the fact that he needs the soil, I think. And it's not entirely clear, but whatever. Yeah, the fact that they keep cutting to the sun was telling me that it was the sun. Well, I mean, it means he has to get there by sunrise. And the fact that there's no coffin to get into means whether he stood under the shade or not, he would melt into that skeleton. He falls into a puddle and he's out. And now it's time to confront the real evil. Frank has to go to the attic. He's got to figure out whether he's getting to the casket with Kay or not. I thought for sure he was. He did everything she said. So it was a real twist when he puts her casket on fire. I didn't understand his character motivation. At no point did I see his character make a turn. I never saw his acting sell me that he was doing anything other than trying to be with Kay. The whole thing, the whole reason he tried to shoot Dracula is because he was jealous because Kay was his girlfriend. So when Kay was in the jail cell, she's selling him isn't an eternity together better than just a few years together? And his acting tells me that he does think that. And so this shocked me. There's no internal struggle on screen that we see where he's like, oh, should I just be a vampire with her for eternity? Or is vampirism actually a bad thing and I need to destroy her? That would help this film. But it still feels noirish in the fact that the whole like dilemma is like Brewster has said that Kay is still alive and then the police go and look and she's in this coffin and like Brewster is an accessory after the fact for murder along with Frank. Now he's burning the evidence like, yeah, she would get up at night again, but he's going to burn that evidence like this is kind of sealing his doom. And I feel like that is a staple of noir stories is the hero. Some kind of irony makes him the bad guy by the end or he gets punished at least. He's probably going to jail because that sheriff is going to put yes. somebody behind bars. He's been running around <laughs> like he's even like Brewster, you're an accessory. Yeah. I'm going to arrest you. So, yeah, the guy's going to go down. I think the point is in noir, it ends badly. There's no happy ending. The guy doesn't get the girl. The guy doesn't get the plantation. You see ruin. It's a part of the vibe. And so it's powerful to think that he would burn up his lover. It's also, I suppose, an afterthought to think that his whole life is probably ruined from this point forward. Everyone has shown up to watch him do this act. He's not getting out of it in court. Including that sister Claire, who I completely forget about for long stretches of this movie. 
You know, I feel like they backed away from something because at one point, Kay is like, we're going to have to kill her too. Yes. She comes to the jail cell and I'm like, ooh, that would certainly be a dark little thing. And maybe that was in a version of the script that either they filmed and cut or they just thought wouldn't pass the censors. If we could have seen Frank try to kill her and he just couldn't bring himself to it, that would explain why he ends up killing Kay. He realizes vampires are bad. That's it, right? That's yeah. the scene that's cut, is that he saw Kay or Kay converted mm-hmm. him. The blonde made him realize the error of his ways. Yeah, that's it. She had a purpose, but we don't see it. Much like how Kay got introduced to Alucard, we just don't see how that happened. There's a lot missing from the story. Yeah, that stuff would have helped me out so much. And the thing is, this movie felt like it dragged. But if you put more content in it to invest me, then I wouldn't feel like it. So I feel like the stuff that isn't in this film is more important than what's in this film. Hmm. But did you like it? Jacob Stewart, do you recommend Son of Dracula? Jacob. This is not necessarily a good film. It's a, especially for us in 2023, a very problematic film at times. But I don't know. At least they got people of color in this one. We haven't got that before. So even if it is the bad stereotypes that they would have to play at those times, maybe that's progress. I don't know. But I had fun with this one. This is a... Again, not necessarily good, but a fun B movie. And I thought I would get that with Bella Lugosi. I thought at times I got that with Dracula's daughter. But this one, I feel like, yeah, they, they got all those B movie tropes. It's kind of noirish. I like the psychological thriller angle of maybe Frank is just crazy and doing all the voices himself and imagining all this. There's a lot of interesting ways this could have gone. It doesn't go any of them. We talked about like what they could have done with Claire, but it's entertaining and fun enough. Again, not good, not necessarily scary, but I do like that they have Queen Zimba in here and bats on strings and Dracula freaking out at that fire at the end as his coffin burns. Again, not like high thrill action scenes, but like they're doing something besides just talking in this one, which I feel is an improvement. So if you enjoy old B movies, like that's the level that this operates and works on, then I I could give it the most mild of recommends. Stuart. Yeah, I'm definitely staking it with a brown arrow, which is a recommend. Yeah, maybe it's a brown. I don't know, but... (laughs) No, it's totally a brown. Yeah, this is a bad movie. Let's be clear. This is a bad movie. It's the worst of the three in terms of actually being a quality film, but... My complaint is, if I were invested in it, like, the the problem is, for me, Lon Chaney Jr., right? He is the weakest of the three vampires. Yes, I know you didn't like the daughter, but I think he's lame, you know? Like, the fact that he never played this part again, the fact that he played all the Universal Monsters at one point, and apparently is the seminal Wolfman. He is the Wolfman, what Bela Lugosi is to Dracula. He didn't nail this one. His heart wasn't in this one. And I feel like he just does a very bland job, and is played as a chump. I mean, it doesn't help the fact that he's won up by this spiritualist woman who sees him coming and tricks him, and he has no moves. Like, burn his casket, and all he can do is wither and turn into a skeleton. He sucks. Uh, Alucard, I hope I never see you again. But 
This movie I would watch again because I thought it was really funny. I thought there was a lot of value in it. And I appreciated the mashing of noir with the horror genre. I do feel, actually, out of all three, it's probably the easiest to watch. It's the most fun. It's the longest, uh, but the silliest. And that made it a good time. So, bad movie, good time. I'm saying... (laughs) Check it out. But definitely, if you want to talk about a good Dracula movie, I think we're still only talking about Nosferatu, right? Yep. (laughs) That's where I'm at. And it's a not recommend from me because I couldn't get invested in this one. I just couldn't get into it. I found myself really perplexed by the lack of focus on a character. You know, when I think of noir films, I usually think that you have a tight, third-person perspective from usually the male character, in this case, Frank. If the whole story was told from Frank's point of view, then I'd be able to get more invested in Frank. Hopefully, we'd have a better actor as Frank because he'd be more important. And we'd go along with that. But here, I can't decide, are we following Dracula? Are we following Frank? Are we following the doctor? Because it just hops all over the place. And we don't get to spend enough time with any character. I kind of like the performance the Doctor is giving as compared to the others who I think are pretty flat. But I don't care about the Doctor. He's really like Van Helsing. These people aren't invested in what happens. They're not related. I guess maybe sister-in-law of Catherine. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe Catherine's the sister-in-law. But it seems really low stakes for the Doctor. And, yeah, I saw some noir parallels, but I didn't catch the femme fatale bit. I wish I saw the movie that I heard you guys discussing. You know, that movie sounds really great. But the movie I saw, I couldn't catch focus on a character, and I ended up clock-watching for the last half hour. I mean, I agree with you, Artie. Like, this changes focus a character, like, every five minutes. You're right. It should be the bride of Dracula, not son of Dracula. Like, all your... Criticisms are valid, but like I still had a good time. Yeah, I didn't, so it's a red arrow from me. Yeah. And while Dracula would pop up in monster mashes, that's what I'm calling them, when all the universal monsters got together for films, they had several of those. We're skipping those. We're not going to cover any more of Universal Dracula of the 30s and 40s. We're jumping ahead. And we're not jumping to Christopher Lee. You mentioned the fact that Hammer, British studio made several i think uh close to eight or nine christopher lee dracula movies in the 60s and 70s we're skipping all of that too going to the next universal dracula 1979 frank langella is stepping into the roles putting on the cape frank langella yeah oh yeah for sure we'll talk about it but 1979 john badham he makes saturday night fever what does he want to do next Disco Vampire. I I wanted to see this again. I remember it's very glittery. It's very 70s. I have seen it once. I remember almost nothing. I certainly remember no disco. There's no literal disco, but it just, it's got that, even the cobwebs feel like it's like Studio 54 cobwebs. They're glitter. Well, I look forward to that. In the meantime, we have another patron show this week. Last week, we had our January patron show about Schmidt and... Tomorrow, we're entering February. 2023 is flying by. So we have our February patron show chosen by Ed Powell. The show is one 
that I know my two co-hosts love. I don't know how I feel about it. Is that because the memories were erased from your mind? Yeah, it must be. <laughs> Eternal sunshine of the spotless mind. Yeah, we've talked so much about what sunlight does to vampires. What does it do to <laughs> mentally deranged lovers? Kate Winslet, Jim Carrey, should they be together? Interesting debate we'll be having for Valentine's Day. Yes, our February patrons. Hope you can join us Friday. Yes, that is for patrons of $10 or more. And you get over 70 exclusive bonus reviews only available to patrons, not available individually. They include Apocalypse Now, Dr. Strangelove, Monster Trucks, The Last Dragon. You don't have to listen to Monster Trucks, just FYI. <laughs> it's not like a requirement. It might dissuade some folks. I don't know. You should watch that movie and then listen to it, in my opinion. <laughs> right? Cats. I mean, we run the gamut on Patriot shows. I mean, there's a double feature for you, Cats and Monster Trucks. Mm, or Apocalypse Now. Yeah. And I want to give a shout out to some of our patrons on Podbean. Thank you to A-T-I-F-S-H. A-T-I-F-S-H. Chic H. I don't know. <laughs> 573. Chris Cross. Oh, makes me want to jump. What if his name's Christopher Cross and we're making fun of it? Oh, well, you know, then he's sailing away. Remember that 80s song? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Musically cool either way. Tacosta2176 and J. Clark Fisher. Don't forget Crankins 1, Elm Street 94, which is New Nightmare, by the way. I, I support you, but not your film. <laughs> SGH, actually, CG Harshk. I mm, might have ruined that. Dimitri from Belgium. There's a good name. We can read that one. Yes. <laughs> and thank you to Now Playing Fan. Not just all the Now Playing fans, but to Now Playing fans specifically. J Trekker 1, West Z 28, and Big Nico 2047. Thank you all so much. We greatly appreciate your support. And we hope you enjoy this Friday's bonus show. And Jacob Stewart, thank you for joining me. And now may the evil spirit be cast out until the end of time. Be thou exorcised, O Dracula, and thy body, long undead, find destruction throughout eternity in the name of thy dark, unholy master. In the name of the All-Holiest, and through this cross, be the evil spirit cast out until the end of time. Thank you for listening to this now playing podcast movie review. We hope you enjoyed the show. Listen to them. <laughs> the children of the night. What sweet music they make. Help us spread the word about this show by leaving a five star review on Stitcher, Podbean, iTunes, or your podcast store of choice. But even if it would work, do you expect me to agree to anything so fantastic? Want more reviews like this one? In the archive section of NowPlayingPodcast.com, you'll find more than 1,000 in-depth movie reviews from our panel of hosts. I hope you will like it. 
On our site, you can hear reviews for every installment in the world's biggest film franchises, including the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Star Wars, Spider-Man, Batman, X-Men, James Bond, Middle Earth, Jurassic Park, Fast and Furious, and Transformers. You do not know why you came here tonight. It was because I wished you here. Plus, we have individual movie reviews, such as Titanic, E.T., Inception, Big Hero 6, Ready Player One, Pulp Fiction, Apocalypse Now, Dr. Strangelove, and hundreds more. I want to be what you are, see what you see, love what you love. And come back to NowPlayingPodcast.com next Tuesday for another all-new movie review podcast. You're always leaving me in my film. <laughs> Support from listeners like you keeps Now Playing Podcast on the air. Isn't eternity together better than a few years of ordinary life? You can donate directly by tapping the support button at nowplayingpodcast.com. A good prince would have paid that price for peace. And you can join our crowdfunding campaign for early access to new episodes, exclusive reviews, and bonus reviews. The spider spinning his web for the unwary fly. Now Playing Podcast is produced by Arnie Carvalho. Okay, obviously we're dealing with a little bit more than just narcissism here. Associate produced by Jason Latham. I am the king of my kind. Now playing is edited by Heath, Santiago, and Arnie. I condemn you to living death, to eternal hunger for living blood. Now playing credits read by Brock. Words, words, words. The opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the views of Enganza Media Incorporated. How can you expect me even to listen to you when you're concealing the truth about yourself? Venganza Media Incorporated is not affiliated with and this podcast has not been prepared, approved, or licensed by any entity that created the film analyzed herein. All movie clips and music included in this podcast are the intellectual property of their respective copyright holders. They are included here for the purpose of review and no infringement is intended. Master, we are here. You can't hear what I'm saying, but we are here. We are safe. Now Playing Podcast is an exclusive trademark of and may not be used without the express written permission of Vinganza Media Incorporated. Your impotent men with their foolish spells cannot protect you from my power. Now Playing is a Venganza Media production, copyright 2023, and no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Venganza Media Incorporated. All rights reserved. Good night, Mr.
Uh, 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 uh.